Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. Though you may not realize that the ongoing threat of terrorism is affecting your life and that of your loved ones. Each week, Dr. Carroll analyzes the hottest topics in terror and helps you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. Deadly Swamp, The Merchant of Death for Basketball Star Brittany Griner. Now, does that sound equal to you, <laughs> just their names? <laughs> the uh, Merchant of Death is the name given to Victor Boot, who is a notorious arms dealer. Um, he was had many years going crisscross across the world, selling arms. Um, and he is responsible for an untold number of deaths. In other words, the people who were killed by these arms. And um, there has just been, as you may have heard, um, a prison swap where um, Boot was let out of an American prison in exchange for basketball star Brittany Griner being let out of a Russian prison. Now, in no way is this an equal um, swap. In fact, they are celebrating in Russia um, that they pulled one over on us. Um, in fact, it's been called a surrender, you know, Biden's White House, what they did, how they traded this man who was responsible and will continue to be responsible for an untold number of deaths since he is a free man now and since his career, his lifelong career, um, was so profitable. So he will con most likely continue to sell arms that will kill untold millions uh, for fun and profit, for his fun and profit. Meanwhile, um, so I'm going to be telling you a little bit more about him. I'm also going to tell you about Brittany Griner. Um, I'm going to be talking about their, the colorful things about them, not the things that you may already have heard in the mainstream media. Um, there is a third person in this love triangle. <laughs> His name is Paul Whelan. He's an American. Well, actually, he was born in Canada. He has a number of passports. And he is currently in a Russian jail where he's been for four years. Now, um, there have been many different versions of the story of um, whether or not Biden had the choice of um, exchanging the two of them, Brittany Griner and Paul Whelan, for the merchant of death, or whether um, he only had was able to exchange one, whether they only um, they wouldn't Russia wouldn't give him two. Um, you know, and, and the White House has kind of, uh, and the media has, have kind of gone, um, let the cat out of the bag and have gone back and, and sort of, um, you know, changed the story that, oh no, he was, Biden was only allowed to exchange one, um, get one prisoner from Russia. So, all right, let's talk about some of the colorful things <laughs> of, um, the merchant 
of deaths. I always want to say the Merchant of Venice <laughs> didn't come from Venice. Um, he actually was uh, was born in Russia or the Soviet Union, a part of Russia, um, and he. He um, had um, his early his origins are unclear. Let's just say uh, he, his birthplace was Ch Tajik in the Soviet Union, now the capital of Tajikistan. Um, and then he became a Russian citizen following 1991, the dissolution of the Soviet Union. Then he had a military career in the Soviet Armed Forces. And he was graduated from the Russian Military Institute of Foreign Languages. He speaks many languages. And um, But then there are also stories that he was discharged from the Soviet Army upon its dissolution in 1991. And then that's when, <laughs> that's when he decided uh, to make money instead of um, <laughs> being a soldier. And that's when he started an air freight business. And what did he sell in this air freight business? Um, all kinds of things. But he found, soon found, that selling weapons was the most profitable. Um, he also did a money laundering. He, he was, you know, a, a, he was very um, uh, resourceful. Um, and so some of the places that he sold his weapons uh, include selling surface-to-air missiles to Kenya that were used to attack an Israeli airliner during takeoff in 2002. He also sold weapons to Hezbollah in Lebanon um, during the run-up to the 2006 Lebanon War. Um, he also sold weapons to the Taliban, to Al-Qaeda. Um, and... I mean, basically, <laughs> he was an equal opportunity weapons salesman. You got the money, you got the weapons. So let's talk about how he was caught. Um, at the beginning of 2008, the U.S. Um, paid an informer uh, to who supposedly who claimed to represent the Colombian rebel group FARC, F-A-R-C. And they negotiated with Boot for the, to sell for, to buy weapons from him, and um, so they invited him to Thailand to meet their leader. And this was, you know, this was to catch him, of course. Um, when he was caught, he was tar charged with terrorism uh, offenses that included conspiracy to acquire and use an anti-aircraft missile conspiracy to provide material support or resources to a designated foreign terrorist organization, conspiracy to kill U.S. nationals, and conspiracy to kill U.S. officers or employees. That was at the beginning of 2008 that he was caught. Then in, um, well, no, at the beginning, that's when they set, up, set this up. And then in March of 2008, he was arrested in Thailand by the Royal Thai Police um, based on the U.S. and Interpol working together to catch him. And um, and he was brought to the United States. There was this whole fight about whether he was going to be extradited. Finally, he was. And then in August uh, 2009, 
Well, that's when they were denying extradition. There was this whole fight. And then, um, and then finally, finally, um, he was brought to the U.S. and prosecuted. And, um, he was convicted by a jury in New York, a federal court, uh, jury in November 2011. And then on April 5th, 2012, he was sentenced to 25 years in prison. And this was the minimum sentence that he could have gotten for conspiring to sell weapons to a U.S. designated foreign terrorist group. And this is where the judge uh, decided that she would give him the minimum sentence because, quote, there was no evidence that Boot would have committed the crimes for which he was convicted had it not been for the sting operation, unquote. Um, so then, you know, then, uh, Russia was very angry, of course, <laughs> because that he was, uh, that he was captured and, and convicted and so on. And they said this was, uh, the sentence was a political order and he was a political prisoner, they claimed. Um, he, they said, and Boot himself claimed that if the same standards were applied to everyone, all American gun shop owners, quote, who are sending arms and ending up killing Americans would be in prison. So, okay. So he was a bad man. <laughs> and, um, and now, um, starting actually in May of 2022, um, that's when all these machinations, machinations, um, machinations, all this, all these discussions as to whether Boot was going to be swapped and who he was going to be swapped for began. Okay. And um, finally, it ended in, on December 8th, you know, just a few days ago. He was released back to Russia, Russia Boot was. And uh, Greiner was sent back to America. Now, there are many books written about Boot. Um, he he um had a very notorious illustrious career as a uh weapons uh salesman um and and there's a book for example um where there's a chapter merchant of death there's a uh book merchant of death money guns planes and the man who makes war possible now this is a man the man who we traded Biden traded for a basketball player do I need to say more? I don't think so. Um, and again, now he was he was um, he was sentenced to 25 years, and um, he is let out now, which was um, he only served 14. Well, he was only spent 14 years in jail um, of a 25 year sentence. Now. Um, there are some interesting um, articles from 2012 um, from, you know, when he was captured. He was 45 at the time that he was captured. And um, supposedly when he was in the courtroom in Manhattan, um, he, he was reported to have, quote, lost it. Uh, he was verbally attacking the American agent in charge of his case. You know, when he was, he was furious that he actually was convicted and sentenced to 25 years, even though that was the minimum. Uh, he said, quote, it was not a trial, but an inquisition-like act. 
there is no evidence that I traded in weapons. Well, <laughs> there was a ton of evidence. I mean, here he crisscrossed the world selling weapons, including to terrorists. There was enough evidence. Um, okay, what else can I tell you? Um, trying this. I want to make sure I have enough time to talk to you about about Brittany and about uh, Paul Whelan. So, um, I mean, <laughs> and Boot is a book in himself. So, um, okay, I think I. Well, here, let me just give you some examples of the of some of the terrorist, um, uh, some of the times that he sold the weapons to, to terrorists. Uh, for example. He met with Hezbollah guerrilla leaders in Lebanon in 2006. I was uh, I mentioned that, and he he delivered late Soviet era anti-tank weapons and rocket-propelled grenades, and that's when the Hezbollah used these against Israel in 2006. Al Qaeda, one of his first known missions on behalf of an Al Qaeda-related entity, occurred during the Bosnian War. In 1992, Sudan, which was then a hotbed for jihadism, helped arrange shipments of weapons to the Third World Relief Agency, TWRA, and that was arming jihadists in Bosnia. So, you know, there are all kinds of these um, examples. I mean, you know, he was doing this, he was caught when he was 45, and he had had a significant number of years being this salesman, making a fortune, okay, and killing and killing countless people. Um, now let's see. Um, I'm going to be talking to you next about Brittany. I just want to see whether. Um, okay, let's see. Okay, Biden, you know, do, doing this swap by, to ex explain why he swapped a base basketball player for a notorious arms salesman. Um, he said, Biden said, quote, she is an important, she meaning Brittany, she is an important role model, an inspiration to millions of Americans, particularly the LGBTQ plus Americans and women of color. So it was, so she represented these groups, and Whelan, unfortunately for him, is a white, heterosexual male. Um, clearly, Biden is trying to draw favor, keep the favor that he has um, with his constituents, which, you know, particularly are um, black activists and the LGBTQ activists. Um, so now Whelan, who I'll tell you about uh, later, he um, he is continuing to rot in a Russian prison while Brittany um, gets to come home and um, not and and refuse and um, well, I'll tell you what, what she was doing. But anyhow, let me let me. There's so much I want to tell you. I'm sorry if I'm a little disorganized here. But um, apparently, when when Victor Boot passed Brittany on the tarmac, he wished her quote 
good fortune, and happiness. Now, um, Victor had a portrait of Putin in his cell. And he said in his first interview, he said he'd fight for he'd fight for Russia in Ukraine. This is who we're talking about. Even now, like he, he certainly hasn't uh he does not feel sorry for um his career as an arms dealer um and all the people that he killed. He wants to kill more. He would go to the Ukraine and fight for Russia. Now wait, um Putin might give him he might not go back to being an arms dealer if Putin gives him a position in his government, which is not beyond possibility. When we come back, I'm going to tell you some colorful tidbits about Brittany Griner. So stay tuned. Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show, where we're talking today about the deadly swap, the merchant of death, for basketball star Brittany Griner. Now, um, you know, as I was saying, uh, needless to say, um, I <laughs> did not think that this was a good swap, and I am not the only one. Um, I mean, it just just look at the. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's not brain surgery. Um, it's it's. Uh, it's clear that Victor Boot um, represents a greater threat to the world since he has spent years selling weapons, killing untold numbers of people, um, and as compared to a basketball player, okay? Now, Brittany Griner, however, also poses a danger to America, and I will tell you about that in this segment. So, Brittany Griner... Is um, was born uh, in 1990. She was born in Texas, and she is she is six feet nine inches tall. She wears a men's U.S. size 17 shoe, and she has an arm span of 87.5 inches, which is about seven and a third feet. Now, not that um, I'm sure it wasn't pleasant in prison in Russia, but um, <laughs> I think she was able to take care of herself, um, especially since the other people in her prison um, were undoubtedly much smaller and weaker than she was. Um, she is um, she was, is, and will return to being um, a professional basketball player for the Phoenix Mercury of the Women's National Basketball Association. She, before that, she played college basketball for the Baylor Lady Bears in Waco, Texas. In 2009, she was named the nation's number one high school women's basketball player. She has a, a lot of awards. I'm not going to read all of her awards, but starting, you know, starting at least as far back as high school, she, you know, showed that she was going to be a basketball star. Um, she was, for example, the first overall pick in 2013 um, for the WNBA draft. And that's when she was picked by the, um, um, I'm sorry, let's see. 
she was picked by the Phoenix Mercury. And she's won all kinds of championships for them and so on. And she also led the U.S. national team to victory at the Rio Olympics in 2016. She was um, also in other Olympics. I mean, you know, she has an illustrious, <laughs> to the same extent that Victor Boot has an illustrious career being or a notorious career being a, an arms dealer, she has an illustrious career as far as being a good basketball player. I'm not trying to take that away from her. However, <laughs> however, um, she, at least as early as 2020, if not before, she started protesting the Star Spangled Banner. And she said she wouldn't be on the court while the national anthem was played during game openers. Um, she was also named for the 2020 Olympics, and um, which was in Japan, and she won a gold medal, her second gold medal, and um, and so on. But it is this, um, it is this protest of the Star Spangled Banner and her continued activism, similar to that, that uh, makes her a danger to America because of the, you know, she is indeed, as, as Biden said, she is a, um, you know, people look up to her, especially girls, but in general, you know, she's, um, she is a star basketball player and people are influenced by her because of her, her, um, what she's accomplished on the court, the basketball court. And so, um, and so when she does things like take a knee or protest the anthem or not, uh, not salute the flag and, and those kinds of things, it, it tells, um, other people, particularly young people who look up to her, you know, who'd love to be a basketball star or love to go to the Olympics, you know, here it is. She represents America in the Olympics. And she refuses to, uh, she doesn't want to hear the anthem. I mean, she's not the only Olympic uh, star who has done that, but um, none of them. <laughs> it's not good for any of them. I mean, here she is anti-American, and it's, it's yet it's Americans in America who has saved her ass and gotten her out of a Russian prison. Now, how did she get in a Russian prison to begin with? Well, by a very stupid mistake. In February 2022, when she was going to Russia, arriving by plane, um, to play for a Russian team during the time that she was off from her American team, the customs officials found cartridges containing hashish oil. Now, it's been described in various ways, hashish oil, cannabis oil. Um, a cannabis oil in a vape canister, medical, she claimed it was medical marijuana, that she had a prescription. Now, yes, in America, you can get, in some states anyway, um, uh, you can get away with that, you know, that if you have a doctor's prescription and show that it's medical marijuana. But she, she knew or should have known that in Russia, this would not go down well. Um, and in fact, that's when she was arrested. She was arrested on smuggling charges and, um, 
she had a trial that started on July 1st. She pleaded guilty to the charges. I mean, they had her. <laughs> they had the uh, this these vape canisters. And on August 4th, 2020, we're talking about 2022, she was sentenced to nine years in prison. And then in November of 2022, she was transferred to the Russian penal colony, IK2, and um, and U.S. officials started, you know, talking about how she was wrongfully detained. And then on, and then of course, you know, she, she ultimately had this prisoner swap, and she's back in the states. Now, when she was in, um, when she now this is here's the thing that's just a killer. <laughs> Not literally, but um, it really is disturbing. She was, here she is being an activist against the American flag and against the national anthem and so on. And she is the daughter of a man who who's a sheriff. And he had a two tour, two tours in Vietnam. He, he's a veteran. He fought two tours in Vietnam. And, and, and so her father, you know, fought for this country. He was a, a, a patriot and she has the nerve to um to turn her back on the symbols of america it'll be interesting to see if she tries to do that again um okay in high school she played you know she showed as i said she showed her her um talents and she played um you know she was on all the teams and she even played with the boy in her sophomore year in high school she played with the uh, she practiced with the boys' basketball team, and her her um, how her brilliance in high school basketball caused her to have a meeting with Shaquille O'Neal. And then in senior year, she did super well. And as I was saying, she got picked by a professional team, and so on. Um, in in 2010, she and a Texas Tech player, Jordan Barncastle, were playing. And um, she ended up punching him and broke, breaking his nose. Um, then she, so she, when there's the WNBA off season, she goes overseas and plays. For example, she played in China. In China, she had a four-month contract for six hundred thousand um, dollars, playing for a Chinese team. Now, you know, one would expect that she might have gotten. Uh, a similar amount to play for the Russian team. So she's, you know, she's no better than Victor Boot selling her soul <laughs> for money. Um, of course, that's not as bad as turning her back on the American flag, but still. Um, okay, then, okay, now here's her personal life and activism. Um, when she was in, in uh, 2013, she gave an interview for Sports Illustrated, and that was the first time that she publicly came out as a lesbian. And she also talked about being bullied as a child. And she said, quote, it's hard just being picked on for being different, just being bigger, my sexuality, everything. So that has made her, she said, passionate about working with children to bring attention to the issue of bullying, particularly against LGBT people. Um, oh, and she, she previously had come out to her parents in high school. And her father did not accept it gracefully. Yeah, you can imagine. Um, so that he forced her to live with an assistant coach for six weeks during her senior year. Like, in other words, he threw her out of the house. She wrote a memoir talking about bullying and self-acceptance. I mean, that's all great. 
Um, then she, um, now here, then, then in 2020, uh, she and a, a teammate called for the WNBA to stop playing the, the U.S. national anthem before the games. Um, she made the, her remarks after the, her team, the Mercury players, refused to take the floor during a preseason game in Florida. She said she was protesting the killing of Breonna Taylor as part of the wider George Floyd protest. That's how it all came out in 2020. Um, we shouldn't play the national anthem during our season. I think we should take that much of a stand. She doesn't believe it, and she goes further. She doesn't believe that the national anthem should be played at sporting events in general. Then she has quite a colorful career um, in terms of her social life. Um, in 2014, she got engaged to fellow WNBA player Glory Johnson, and then they were both arrested in 2015 on charges of assault and disorderly conduct um, because they were fighting with each other and they were they injured each other. But despite this, they got married the next month. And um, then in 2015, they were suspended for seven games after they ple after um, after they pleaded guilty to disorderly conduct charges. And then Griner also had to complete 26 weeks of domestic violence counseling. Then <laughs> in 2015, um, Johnson, so her, her wife, was pregnant with twins, conceived with Johnson's eggs through in vitro fertilization. The next day, Griner filed for an annulment of the marriage, citing fraud and arrest. So there's obviously a very interesting story behind that. But for some reason, the annulment was denied. And Johnson gave birth to twin girls in 2015. Uh, and, and Griner was ordered to pay child support to Johnson. And then they got divorced in 2016. Then in 2018, she became engaged. Griner became engaged to Cheryl Watson. And they married in 2019. Um, now, then she was arrested, as I um, as I mentioned. Now, you know, there's a there's thought that maybe she was using that, that Russia was using her as a, a high profile hostage to try to, you know, most likely to try to get out. Victor Boot out. I mean, that's the, who they've wanted to get out for years since he was since he was put in jail to begin with. Um, so anyway, and then the question is, was were the um, were the discussions, um, you know, the discussions were made harder because of the Ukraine war and so on. In any case, um, and there was a problem in jail in Russia because the beds in the cell were intended for people who were shorter than she was. So um, I guess she was a little uncomfortable. Anyway, um, the U.S. said she was wrongfully detained. And, um, and, and yes, and you may well have seen Griner's wife, Cheryl. Uh, I tweeted about this back when this happened. And this was in May. Um, she was, you know, asking Biden to, um, to get Griner out. 
Now, that's all well and good, except for the fact that Biden was a little preoccupied with the Ukraine war, and it really um, was a distraction that was not quite as important. So, um, so anyway, so then they were exchanged. And, um, so, oh, well, the, the, I'm not sure if I already mentioned, but when she was found guilty in August of 2022, Griner, they sentenced her to nine years in prison. They fined her one million rubles, which is $16,301. And then, um, so she went to, and then she was transferred, as I said, to a penal colony in Mordovia. Uh, I mean, you know, I'm sure it wasn't pleasant to be in a Russian prison. <laughs> but at the same time, you don't bring, you don't bring marijuana um, to Russia. I mean, you know, she had been there before. Um, and and certainly there would have been people, you know, on her team and so on, um, her coaches and so on, people who would have told her that you don't do that. And you don't expect to get out on a lame excuse of it being medical marijuana, not in Russia. Well, in the next segment, I'm going to be telling you about the third person in this love triangle, so to speak, um, Paul Whelan. He, he's a very interesting guy, too. And it has to be, there's going to be a movie about this, I'll bet. <laughs> there should be in any case, because both Victor Boot and Brittany Griner and Paul Whelan are very interesting characters uh, on their own. Each one, there could be a movie about each one of them. Well, there were already about the merchant of, um, of death, um, Boot. But anyhow, um, I, I think it would be really interesting to have a movie of the three of them, each, you know, in their own, first telling the story of each of them and then bringing them together for this swap. Of course, unfortunately, Paul Whelan is still <laughs> is still in prison in Russia. So we'll talk about him. And at the end, um, you decide. You decide whether anybody, any American, should have been traded for Victor Boot or whether that was just too dangerous. And if you think an American should have been traded, then who? So stay tuned. Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show, where we're talking tonight about the swap, the outrageous swap that just went down, um, the deadly swap, the merchant of death for basketball star Brittany Kreiner. Now, the unspoken man, the man in the shadows of all of this, who was not swapped, who is still rotting in a Russian prison, is Paul Whelan. Now, he has a very um, interesting background. He is not um, Lily, you know, he, he's not uh, pure um, himself. I mean, there are some mysterious kinds of things. I don't know that he did anything wrong necessarily, although the Russians obviously do. But um, he, he, his, he's, he has a very um, mysterious, vague kind of uh, background. You know, it's not all clear. But anyhow, he was born um, in 1970, so he's 52 years old. He is was Canadian-born. He was a former Marine, U.S. Marine. He has U.S., British, Irish, and Canadian citizenship. Uh, which, you know, of course, um, is a little questionable. 
<laughs> you know, is he is he a spy? Is he an arms? Well, no one is saying he's an arms dealer, and I'm certainly not going to say that. But I mean, it it, it just is. Um, it just makes you kind of want to look further. He was arrested in Russia on December 28th, 2018. He was accused of spying. And as needless to say, you know, all, having all these pass, passports makes one question what he's doing. Um, so in on June 15th, 2020, he received a 16-year prison sentence. Now, let me tell you about his life. So he was um, a police officer in Michigan, and he reportedly, I mean, he says that he was a sheriff's deputy also in Michigan. Then he became an IT manager for the Kelly Services Staffing Company, and he then became, he was promoted to be the Kelly Services Senior Manager of Global Security and Operations, so that could explain why he needed all these passports. But then he enlisted in the Marine Corps Reserve in 1994, and then he took military leave from Kelly Services to serve with the Marine Corps Reserve from 2003 to 2008, including serving in Iraq. He had the rank of Staff Sergeant with Marine Air Control. Um, he was also part of Operation Iraqi Freedom. So, I mean, you know, 2003 to 2008, five years, five to six years, of providing service to the Marines. Um, then he, he did, however, have a little bit of a problem. He had a court-martial conviction, um, multiple counts, quote, related to larceny, unquote. He was sentenced to 60 days restriction. He got a reduction to pay grade. He had a bad conduct discharge. Um, the specific charges against him included, a quote, attempted larceny, three specifications of dereliction of duty, making a false official statement, wrongly using another's social security number, and 10 specifications of making and uttering checks, you know, issuing, they, it means a word for issuing, checks without having sufficient funds in his account for payment. So he didn't kill anybody. <laughs> he just was a little bad boy while he was serving for five to six years in the in the Marines. He was arrested in Russia, um, and when he was arrested in Russia, he was that was when he was the director of global security and investigations for Borg Warner, a different company. That was a company that an international company that made automotive parts. Um, he traveled to Russia several times from 2006, and he um, had he would intermittently. He would go on a Russian language social media website, and he had 70 contacts. He studied Russian, but online, on this website, he used Google Translate. He supported, now this is why Biden didn't bring him home. This is why he brought home um, Brittany Griner, in addition to her being part of his base. Um, unfortunately. <laughs> Um, Paul Whelan had the unfortunate history of having supported Trump in the 2016 election. And following Trump's victory, he posted in Russian on this website um, some Russian words that mean President Trump onward. So, 
Biden wouldn't have liked that. Um, so on December 28th, 2018, Whelan was arrested in Russia, in Moscow, um, by the Russian Federal Security Service. And um, he had arrived, that was on December 28th, he had arrived in Moscow on December 22nd to attend the wedding of a former fellow Marine and also to um, help the group's family members because it was their first trip to Russia and he had been there many times. He planned to return to Michigan on January 6th. So like just a week or so before he was going to return, he got arrested. Now, um, when he was arrested, he had $80,000 in cash on him and it was, quote, temporarily confiscated, unquote, during a customs inspection at the airport um, in Russia. And uh, he entered Russia on a U.S. passport, and um, he was formally charged on January 3rd, and he was arrested in his hotel room at the Metropole while um, concluding a long outing with a Russian citizen. Anyway, supposedly a Russian citizen gave him a USB drive that had, quote, a list of all the employees at a classified security agency, unquote. Now, they thought that this was strange, that he was in this hotel room by himself. Clearly, they were watching him carefully because all of the wedding attendees stayed together while they were there for the holiday. And um, so it was, and, and these, I think it was the wedding attendees who kind of uh, alerted the Russians to why was this guy, you know, Spending the day alone. I, I, I'm not sure if it was the people from the wedding or whether it was just Russians who had been watching him, um, especially if they, you know, because if they found the $80,000 when he arrived, presumably, um, they would want to know why he was carrying that much money. Anyhow, um, he had bragged to his family previously about knowing an agent of the FSB, the Russian Federal Security Service. Um, so there are some, you know, questionable things here. Um, also, it re was reported somewhere else that they thought he was arrested because he was taking pictures of churches in Moscow. So a lot of things are, are vague and mysterious. And um, Whalen said that his longtime friend appeared unexpectedly at the hotel. Uh, maybe his friend wasn't such a friend. Maybe it was the friend who alerted the Russian authorities. Um, then the he had really bad attorneys. Whelan had really bad attorneys. I will um, explain why. Um, um, for one thing, Let's see. Um, for one thing, where, where did I, where did I find this? <laughs> there, oh, here. Yes. For one thing, um, his, his Russian lawyer, Vladimir Zirabenkov, Zir said in regard to the swap, the prisoner swap, 
quote, choosing Reiner appeared more humane because she is a woman and an, Olymp- and an Olympic champion, while Whelan was in the military, and it is easier for him to be in custody. Now, with lawyers like that, <laughs> you don't need prosecutors. That was not very helpful in terms of getting him uh, getting him swapped. Um, anyway, then the his attorneys didn't provide the name of his Russian friend because of uh, Russian secrecy rules, but his family told the Russians who the, the friend was, Ilya Lyatsenko. And uh, this person is a major in the FSB's Department K, which monitors Russian economic crimes. Um, he was held in Moscow and imprisoned in Moscow, and as of March 2019, he shared a cell with another prisoner who spoke no English. That must have been a lot of fun. Um, and so also in, in January, the same stupid attorney in January 2019 said that he was seeking his release on bail. And he said, quote, I presume that he is innocent because for now I haven't seen any evidence against him that would prove otherwise. I mean, damning with faint praise. Um, he said that Willen was unaware of the contents of the USB drive and he thought it was only contents of personal contents like, photo, quote, photographs, videos, anything at all about his previous holiday in Russia. Um, so he was convicted, and Whelan was convicted in 2020 uh, and sentenced to 16 years in a Russian prison for espionage. And um, Whelan said that this was just a sham case, sham allegations, uh, to because they wanted to use him to influence the United States. Quote, we have proven my innocence. We have proven fabrication. This is slimy, greasy, corrupt Russian politics. Nothing more, nothing less. Not a way to get you in good with the Russians. <laughs> um, now he's uh, being held in a high security prison. Um, south, an eight hours drive southeast of Moscow. That does not sound good. Um, what else? The grounds for his arrest are dubious, however, um, and uh, he, he's been in custody now for four years. Um, and Okay, and that's that for Whelan. <laughs> um, that, very colorful life. I mean, they're all kind of colorful. You couldn't have, that's why I said this would be a great movie, because each one of them is colorful in um, themselves. In any case, the bottom line, is, well, for, 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 for Griner, um, they were, there was a lot of, I mean, the problem, one of the problems is that there's a lot more um, pressure on the government, American government, on, on the White House, on Biden, Biden and so on, 
there's been a lot more pressure. They've been a lot louder uh, to try to get Greiner out of the Russian prison than people have been loud for Whelan. And so as an example, uh, many of the players in the WNBA wore Greiner-themed clothing designed by a 14-year-old named Isabella Escribano, or her um, online name is Jiggy Izzy. She's popular on social media for her basketball skills. So um, the design on hoodies and T-shirts and so on is a smiling Griner in her Mercury jersey with a basketball that reads, Wear BG, um, W-E-A-R-E, I don't know what E. Anyway, Wear BG, and that became a rallying cry for her release. Um, so, Whalen needs to get people to wear <laughs> clothes with his name on it. Wear, wear um, P.W., Paul Whelan, and maybe that will help. Um, John Bolton, to conclude, I will just tell you that John Bolton, a former national security advisor, said that the Biden administration's deal with Russia, this, this exchange um, for the merchant of death for Greiner, was a surrender. Quote, this is not a deal. This is not a swap. This is a surrender. And terrorists and rogue states all around the world will take note of this. And it endangers other Americans in the futures, in the future, who can be grabbed and used as bargaining chips by people who don't have the same morals and scruples that we do. In other words, showing that um, we are willing to, there used to be a, um, a saying for years and years, I thought it was still true, but apparently not, um, that we don't negotiate for terrorists. And of course, the merchant of death, um, um, Boot, is essentially a terrorist because he provided arms to terrorists. And so this is a this is a this is a big deal, in other words, because this is a big change from the policy that we once had and that we should still have, where we don't negotiate with terrorists. Thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. If you would like to find out more about terrorism from me, your terrorist therapist, visit my website, terroristtherapist.com. And if you're a parent or teacher and want to build stronger nests for your kids to become more resilient, check out my new award-winning book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. It's the first and only book about terrorism for kids. You can find it wherever books are sold or directly from the publisher at TerrorismForKids.com. Terrorism, the number four, kids.com. I'm Dr. Carroll, the Terrorist Therapist. Thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. We hope listening to the show has made you feel calmer, more resilient, and more able to reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. You can also check out past shows on Renegade Talk Archives for more insights.